The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. As discussions around the Northern Ireland Protocol continue in search of a resolution, Taoiseach Leo Varadkar and Tónis de Michal Martin have today visited Belfast for conversations with a whole range of stakeholders in Northern Ireland. And our political correspondent here at News Talk, Sean Defoe, is on the ground at Stormont and also generally around Belfast talking to people about what's been going on. Sean, welcome to the Hard Shoulder. Thanks, Hello, you there, Sean. Sean, yeah, first of all, you. yeah. before I come to you to uh, Northern Matters, I believe the Taoiseach has been speaking uh, a li- briefly enough, but nevertheless interesting enough about Damien English. Could you just give us a bit of an update on that, first of all? Yeah, that's right. So obviously Damien English resigning uh, this morning, or was handing in his resignation last night over this planning application he made, made to Mead County Council when he didn't declare that he'd already uh, owned a home. And I suppose one of the questions has been whether or not, given that he technically lied to a, a, a county council, to a local authority, or certainly misled them, uh, the, the, there should be a question over his seat, not only that his position as a minister, or as the question was put to the Taoiseach, being a minister in the Department of Enterprise has nothing to do with planning applications. Instead, he mes- misled a local authority that a lot of other people might not have misled and might not have had their planning applications denied as a result. Now, the Taoiseach and Tornish are both saying today they don't believe that he should resign as a TD, that he has paid the political price by stepping down as a Minister of State. But interestingly, Leo Varadkar was asked whether he believed that Damien English had in fact broken the law by doing this. And the Taoiseach said that he isn't an expert in planning law, but did commit to getting legal advice to see whether or not uh, the law was actually breached in this case. So while Damien English's ministership may be over, this might he might not be totally out of the woods when it comes to accountability yet. Yeah, and I mean, we were just talking to Pascal Dunhill there a few minutes ago, and I was making the point that if these things keep getting broken and people keep misleading and not filling out their SIPO forms correctly, clearly the sanctions are currently deficient. So maybe we need something new, a fine, you lose office permanently. These are all got to be on the table, but that's for another discussion for another day. Let's talk to you a little bit, Sean, about where we are with Northern Ireland. Yesterday's coverage was kind of dominated by the leader of Sinn Féin being excluded from the talks. But have we made any further progress, any glints, any little bits of uh, white light up there at all? Yeah, well, look, a lot of that controversy is actually poured into today, really, with Chris Heaton-Harris very much do- uh, doubling down on his comments from yesterday and, and not apologising for omitting Mary Lou MacDonald and the SDLP and Sinn Féin, both boycotting those talks yesterday as a result, saying that she is a member of an EU party and therefore wouldn't be inv- invited to something like this. A question that seems to be thought of with a lot of officials here with some sort of a preposterous nature, given it's not what the British government has done in the past. The Taoiseach has said that you, when he invites people to talk like this, he, he doesn't ask who's going to be in their delegation. If the delegation is going to be there, that's up to them who is in it. And certainly it's been both put to Tornish to Micheál Martin today and Mary Lou MacDonald uh, herself, both of them saying, really, when it comes to talks specifically in Northern Ireland where things are so sensitive, it's not acceptable to leave anyone out. Say it to me from time to time, oh, you shouldn't meet that person, no, you shouldn't meet the other person first and there might be an issue. And to me, I'm saying, what's the fault? That's me, right, as a person. Um, so... Uh, you know, uh, but generally speaking, there are protocols attached to, to issues. But in the context of Northern Ireland, uh, it, it was to meet all the political parties. All of us know that the way that we make progress is together. That's how this works. That, that's what the history of the last 25 years uh, reflects. So any idea of excluding anybody, excluding the leader of any party, needs to be scotched and knocked on the head now. These are serious matters. People are relying on leaders to lead, not to get involved in petulant, divisive and petty politics. 
Now, Sean, that was Mary Lou MacDonald talking about her exclusion from the talks. I suppose it tells us a lot that just there's already anger and disenchantment about who's even going to the talks, never mind their content. It really does say a lot of how far back we are on getting anywhere on this. What I want to see a little bit and talk to you about, Sean, is the unionist side. Jeffrey Donaldson, mm. of course, has staked, I think it's fair to say, his entire political career on this issue. He's really kind of gone for it. He's got a lot of hardliners breathing down his neck as well. What's happening on the unionist side? Are we seeing any sort of softening, any movement, anything happening on that side? Uh, no, well, no softening. Certainly, Jeffrey Donaldson came out today and while he was quite constructive about his conversations with the Taoiseach and said they spoke well, talked about how Varanka did accept some mistakes have been made on the EU side and over the last few years and how everything has been handled here, here that he is very much sticking to this idea of the seven tests for what's going to happen with the Northern Ireland Protocol. This is the DUP position they've had since last July where they have seven sort of tests of whatever deal comes out of the negotiations that are going on at the moment, including making sure that there's no border in the Irish Sea, giving people of Northern Ireland to say in making their laws, no checks on goods going from NI to GB uh, and so on. So certainly no softening of his language there. Uh, and quite coarse towards Sinn Féin as well. It's been sort of a strange day of meetings really, here really because I, I'm in the Stormont Hotel where I'm speaking to you now and where Leo Baranker has been meeting all the different parties but in the actual Stormont building itself, Keir Starmer, the uh, British Labour Party leader has been there meeting them. So they've sort of been traipsing between the two buildings and passing each other on the way uh, to make some, some uh, short comment but not all of those friendly. Jeffrey Donaldson did weigh into this row about Mary Lou MacDonald as well. He obviously attended the meetings yesterday with James Cleverly without any Republican um, sort of influence there or, or presence in the room. And he said that this whole row, while he thinks it's a bit of a sidetrack and something to be worked out by the British government and Sinn Féin, does bear wider questions for Mary Lou MacDonald. Bill O'Neill was invited to the meeting as the First Minister-designate. Uh, Mary Lou MacDonald uh, is not a representative in Northern Ireland. She is the leader of Sinn Féin, and that is an issue that the UK government and Sinn Féin should resolve between them. But I do have a concern looking ahead. Uh, If in the future Mary Lou MacDonald became Taoiseach and we had Michelle O'Neill as First Minister, who's the boss? Who's in charge? If we have meetings on a north-south basis, who's in charge? And I think these are issues that Sinn Féin need to work out. I don't need to have a minder with me every time uh, I go to a meeting as the leader of the DUP. So who leads Sinn Féin in Northern Ireland? Is it Mary Lou MacDonald or is it not? Now, that is DUP leader Geoffrey Donaldson. I'm sure, um, Sean, when Leo Varadkar reassumed the Taoiseach's position, he was going, oh, great, I get to meet all those lovely Northern Irish politicians <laughs> all over again. I'm just This is fantastic. But he has been making his first plunge into these talks. What's he been saying? Yeah, and it's interesting because he has very much been trying to, I suppose, rebuild or reset that relationship that he has specifically with unionism because he was seen in some parts of unionism as something of a bogeyman from his last term as Taoiseach when we obviously uh, remember all the difficulties and all the, the, the uh, that went on between the DUP that were propping up the Tory government at the time. Then that last minute intervention, the meeting between Leo Varadkar and Boris Johnson to sort out of the deal uh, that the DUP ended up hating. And it was put to him afterwards, you know, do, are you this bogeyman for the unionist community? Uh, and what uh, Baranker said was, look, all you can do is be constructive, work with the DUP, that they had a positive meeting today and that they will work towards those seven tests that I talked about earlier. Uh, also, a bit more, I suppose, insight into where the EU and the UK are, because while all of the people here today are quite important in getting Stormont back up and running, of course, none of them are in the actual talks when it comes to fixing the Northern Ireland Protocol. That is specifically between the UK and the EU. And those talks have been getting picking up a small bit of steam and getting a little bit more secret as it goes on, which has led to the return of that awful phrase you might remember from a couple of years ago, might give you PTSD image of the tunnel being Oh, the tunnel. Oh, and, and the landing zone and the tunnel and that's no, on top of the landing no. zone. 
all this jargon that we were we got so used to for a while there with Brexit. And Leo Varadkar saying, look, we're, we're not there yet. We're not in the so-called tunnel, which is that last sprint, if you like, of very secretive talks between the technocrats to get a deal done, but that hopefully we can get there. The goal, he was saying, or one of the aims that would be really nice to have, is getting a deal done before the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement is coming up. But he did tell reporters just a few minutes ago he can't give any honest indication of when a resolution is going to be reached. I don't think it's possible at this stage to put a time frame on it. Um, the agreement on data sharing is very significant um, and does represent real progress and opens up the possibility uh, of making more progress uh, so we can have an agreement um, between the UK and the European Union on the protocol. And hopefully that's one that works for all of this on the, all of us on, on the island of Ireland. Um, uh, I wouldn't like to put a timeline on it. Uh, of course, it would be um, a really good thing and a really nice thing to have the agreement in place and the executive up and running uh, for the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement. Um, but whatever happens, uh, I think it's an important anniversary to mark. Uh, 25 years of peace uh, is not a small thing and has allowed um, both parts of the island to, um, uh, to prosper during that period, notwithstanding the difficulties, difficulties we face. And of course, it would be nice to have it done by then, but it's not possible to put that kind of time frame on it now. Now that is Taoiseach Leo Varadkar. Thanks to our political correspondent Sean Defoe for bringing us all those latest developments. And let's just pull back a little bit from the various contributions, lots of speaking, lots of meetings, but what does it all add up to in the end of the day? Does it actually generate fresh momentum or are we stuck in the mud on terms of getting this moved forward? Ben Lowry is the editor of the Belfast Newsletter to take a a sort of more broader look at where this all fits. Um, Ben, first of all, welcome to the hard shoulder. I suppose I'm going to make a provocative um, observation to you. Maybe it isn't provocative but are the key talks not the ones between Cleverly and Sekovic and this stuff is literally a political sideshow? Um, j- just uh, thanks for having me on and I should say I hope the sound quality is okay because I'm in a building not so far from Stormont and um, there's a lot of uh, wind. I-, I hear there's wind all over the island um, so it's quite stormy. But anyway, yes, I think that of course the, the-, the talks between um, uh, Cleverly and Sefcovic are the key thing and of course the key thing is a deal between the European Union and the UK and there's no doubt um, that uh, the development on data sharing and the the, the- a development on border posts is all a move closer towards what the EU is demanding and further away from what unionists want. And I, I do edit a unionist newspaper and the perspective that I'm most familiar with is a unionist perspective. So I think it is um, clearly a move towards a deal, whether or not it's a deal, whether it's a move towards a, a deal that unionists can live with or that the DUP can live with, given what it's stated, is a very different matter. That's a, a much more complicated and thing. And Ben, you know the way you must find, uh, you must almost agree to some of this stuff with a bit of jaundice in the sense that everyone's going around saying the mood music is better, Rishi Sunak has injected a little bit more um, tranquility into the talks, the Irish government are saying things like we're confident, you know, there's this sort of bubbly kind of tone to it. At all, but has anyone actually told Jeffrey Donaldson that? In other words, everyone else, bar the DUP, is saying this is all going well. We're inching forward, but we don't really like. We don't get that reflected in unionist opinion. So, what's happening from that point of view? Yeah, I, the first thing is I don't think that unionists are kept in the loop. Obviously, there have been times when the DUP has been central to the um, Conservative governments of Theresa May, and um, um, uh, and even you know later on there was a there's a link there, and there's always been a, going back decades a link between unionist representatives in, 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 in Westminster and the Tory Party. I don't think I would imagine that they're not in the loop. Um, and the second thing with regard to your very important question about music 
mute music and what do unionists feel about it, is that I think anybody looking at this who's informed realises that while the UK government really did change its position on the Irish sea border, on the protocol, um, starting in the six months after it in, in uh, 2021, and even as recently as months ago, pressing ahead, Liz Truss in particular, pressing ahead with this Northern Ireland Protocol Bill, the UK government is so weakened. It's been so battered by events. There's been so much turmoil. There's uh, um, the, the fact that it would it's very hard for a government to win re-election after 14 years anyway. It's almost unheard of. In fact, it was only a Tory government, John Major, who's ever done it since the Second World War. And the EU knows this, knows that Keir Starmer is very likely to become Prime Minister. That puts the UK in a weak negotiating position. So while it wasn't, it wasn't all optics, it wasn't pretense, the UK was really worried. It's, it started to argue things like that it had agreed all this under duress. It knows that part of its territory has to some degree been hived off insofar as it relates to trade. Trade is a very important part of being part of a nation. Um, and, and what we're seeing with this data sharing, there's not ever going to be data sharing in movement of goods between Cornwall and Coventry. The very fact that they're agreeing to share data on internal UK movements, the very fact that they're building border posts is not good for unionists. No. And I think that I think that I think that I think that people in the DUP, people across unionism, people who think about things, realize that Stormont in many respects is a good thing to be operating for Northern Ireland. It doesn't matter if you're Sinn Féin so much if these things don't operate, because you can say that Northern Ireland is a failed state. Unionists don't want to be able to say that it's a failed state. So there's genuine, real concern about what's happening with the border, about the UK's ability to deliver on the things that it says, the concerns it says it shares with unionists. And Ben, and, um, ben just one final thing, because we're under pressure of time, unfortunately. Do, do all these other things matter, as in the 25th anniversary? There's even talk about Joe Biden coming over if this all gets signed and sealed. Do those carry any weight with the DUP, these external, what you might call, razzmatazzy pieces? I mean, are they just irrelevant to them? It's all about the text of the actual deal? Or does this sort of wider idea that we all want to kind of have something to celebrate coming into April, does that matter at all to the DUP, or I, is that small? Say, I, and I don't, I don't uh, think that that matters so much to unionists. And, and sorry to reference back to my own newspaper again, but just to show you how things changed. We're a very unionist paper. We were very strongly pro the Belfast Agreement, very strongly uh, supportive of the late David Trimble. I think there's much more of a feeling now within unionism that the that the Belfast Agreement is leading to a slipping away of things that Sinn Féin always have to be in part, despite not wanting Northern Ireland to exist, which they're entitled not to want it to exist. And I don't think that unionists are troubled by the anniversary. I I would imagine that the UK government, which wants to put a gloss on things, is more troubled by that anniversary than unionists are. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll all, all will be revealed by April 1 way or the other, so we'll see what happens then. Um, we'll either be there or we won't be there. Ben Lowry is the editor of the Belfast Newsletter. Thank you very much. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.